the Sermons Podcast for Ottawa Baptist Church. We pray that you will be blessed and encouraged by this week's message. Have you guys ever had a casual conversation with someone and just having that conversation, there was maybe a topic that was hit on that all of a sudden became kind of kind of triggered something within that person's heart and they started to speak a little bit differently, like something inside of them came alive and, and they were passionate. Have you guys ever had a conversation like that? And then when you walk away, you go, man, so-and-so is really passionate about such and such a thing. Or, hey, I was in this conversation and wow, their heart is really positioned this way on this particular subject. You guys ever had, had that conversation, had that interaction before? Where's Alan? I saw Alan. Alan, I know that if I mention the word cricket or rugby, that you're going to get that twinkle in your eye, you're going to have that little grin, and I can see that that passion and that heart come alive. Now, if I use the word cricket and rugby in the same sentence, then I get twinkles in both eyes, and then you get really, really big smiles. That's something that uh, Alan and I talk about, and he's very, very passionate, and he is a passionate defender of the game of cricket. I still don't know why, but he is. Why don't, you, why don't you turn to your neighbor really quick and say, if you want to hear me speak passionately about something, ask me about, and then fill in the blank. If you want to hear me speak passionately about something, then ask me about, fill in the blank. Go ahead. All right, I've, man, this is, this is good. I feel like I need to hear about some of these answers that are coming out. All right, what are some of these answers? Come on. Hit me with it. What are some of the answers? What did your neighbor say? Tell on your neighbor. Let's hear it. All right, let, let, me, let me just hear a couple. Now I'm curious. What did, what did your neighbor tell you? If, if you want to hear me speak passionately, ask me about what? Let me hear. Passionate about what? About, oh, canoeing. Oh, yes, perfect. Anyone else? Yes. Travel, passionate about travel? Pilates. Pilates, passionate about Pilates, okay? All right, now the next step. Turn to your other neighbor and say, if you want me to walk away from you immediately, start talking to me about fill in the blank. Go ahead. If you want me to walk away from you immediately, start talking about fill in the blank. All right. It's only fair that I ask, what did your neighbor say? What were some of the things that happened? What did your neighbor say? You want me to walk away from you? Start talking to me about this. What was it? What is, what is it? Oh, rugby? Okay. Okay. Uh, I heard politics. What's, what's another one? Cricket, of course. Yep. Shopping. Yes. 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 I, I always sit in the car whenever we go to certain places to shop. Usually fabric stores or spotlight or something like that. Usually. Anything else? What is it? Shh. Hush. Whoever said that. Shh. All right. So now it's just getting carried away. You're getting carried away. We have to move on. How many of you found a new friend this morning? Go ahead and admit it. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Have you ever wondered why that is? That when we begin talking about these things that are close to our heart, there's just this outward expression. There's something that just beams from us as we begin to talk about these certain things that are close to our heart. And we think, where where did this capacity come from? This expressive nature. It comes from God. 
It comes from God in the way that we're designed. In Genesis 1, 27, it says, God created human beings in his own image, and in the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Now, there's a lot of work written over a period of hundreds and hundreds of years about what it means to be created in the image of God or the Imago Dei. And so our purpose isn't really to dive into a lot of those aspects this morning, but for our purposes, let, let's, let's consider the image of God, this representative nature that humankind has upon the earth. Psalm 19.1, the heavens proclaim the glory of God, the skies display his craftsmanship. 1 Corinthians 11.7, for man is made in God's image and reflects God's glory. So just as God's glory was seen throughout the entire universe, the man and the woman created in the image of God were to reflect the glory of God all throughout creation. There is this outward demonstration, this capacity to display who we are, what we're passionate about. We think of Adam's habitation. We know that Adam's habitation was the Garden of Eden and most biblical commentators and scholars will say that when you think about the Garden of Eden in the early parts of Scripture, we really need to consider that the Garden of Eden is actually a temple. We think of the Garden, that it is a place where God's presence dwelt in a very rich and powerful way. And it was the place where human beings, where Adam and Eve would commune with God. Scholars would even point out that when the temple was built in Jerusalem, there were a lot of similarities between the garden and the temple. The tree of life, which was found in Eden, is connected to the lampstand that you would find in the Jewish temple. The temple had carvings of flowers and palm trees that as you walked in it, it was symbolic of a garden. You were revisiting the garden of Eden, so to speak. So not only was the garden considered a temple, but we go back to the early stages of the creation narrative. Adam is actually considered to be a priest. Just as a temple priest would maintain the sacred space and would work in the temple, Adam maintained the garden. And there's some of that parallel language that, that, that as we hear about Adam and hear about the priestly work in the temple, it's the same language. Adam is a priest. But we know that Adam sinned. And so now we have this person who's created with this capacity to be the representative for God, to reflect his glory upon the earth. And now this man has sinned. And what happens? Human beings will go on to possess and maintain this imago Dei, this image of God, but now there would be a struggle. Human beings would, in their own sinful nature, they would be tempted to represent their own interests. They would seek their own glory instead of representing, representing the glory of the creator. And in the biblical story, we see that human beings become self-centered, tarnished by sin, and they outwardly begin to demonstrate what is deep within their heart, sin. And they do not reflect God's glory to the capacity that they were intended to. But here's the thing about God. God gave human beings the vocation to be a priest, and although that was tarnished, it was not nullified because God's plans will continue. God is faithful to his mission. When we look at the formation of the nation of Israel, there's something very special that God says in a couple of passages in Exodus and Deuteronomy. Exodus 19, 5 and 6, God says, the whole earth is mine. 
But you, Israel, will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Deuteronomy 7, 6. For you are a holy people who belong to the Lord your God. Of all the people on earth, the Lord your God has chosen you to be his own special treasure. Now, what do these two passages say? Israel, kingdom of priests, a holy nation, chosen people, special treasure. Isaiah 49, 6. I will make you, Israel, a light to the Gentiles, and you are going to bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. And so there's that priestly function, reflecting the glory of God, being a light to the surrounding nations. God's people representing him, being a light to the nations. Israel fails in this capacity. They are human beings. They have times in their history where they are serving God faithfully, but more often times than not, they fail. They struggle to be the light. They struggle with this priestly vocation. Not only are the designated priests themselves failing in the community of God, collectively as a nation, a nation of priests, they are failing to reflect the covenant promises. They are failing to reflect and represent God to the world. When we move forward in the biblical narrative and we look at the life of Jesus, we're told in Colossians 1.15, Christ is the visible image of of the invisible God. I need to tell on myself really quick. Last week, I used the passage um, uh, that God had disarmed all the principalities and powers, and I kept calling that Colossians 1.15. It was actually Colossians 2.15, all right? This is the real Colossians 1.15 now, so you forgive me for last week. But Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. And the word, word image here is very purposeful. Jesus is imaging God perfectly. He is demonstrating God's nature and his character and his heart. He is the true light. He is true humanity. And in fact, when we accept Christ and we live in that vocation, when Christ is formed within us, we actually become more human in a sense, meaning we are fulfilling that vocation for which we were created to fill. After the death of Jesus Christ, we have the resurrection and ascension, and we have the church that is formed. The Apostle Peter, now filled with the Spirit, having had this incredible ministry, is now writing epistles to encourage the early churches. Peter has walked physically with Jesus during his ministry. He understands the history of the Jewish people. He is a pillar in the life of the church. And in his epistle, 1 Peter 2.9, he writes this about the church. For you are a chosen people, you are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. And Peter here is not trying to be creative. What he's doing is being very purposeful. So now let's compare what Peter has just said with the passages that we read in Exodus and Deuteronomy as well. What is he saying? The exact same thing. So what is Peter doing? He is taking the function and the identity of the people of Israel... And he is now applying it to the ecclesia, God's people, the church. And this is very, very serious. Can you imagine being there at the base of Mount Sinai where where the law is being given to you? And you're hearing the thunder and the mountains are shaking and the presence of God is there. And you have this history with God where he's telling you, no, no, you are my people. You are my special possession. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Think of how serious that is. With that same seriousness, we now need to turn our attention to what Peter is saying. He's saying that the ecclesia, you, 
You are a special possession. This is your function. This is your call. You are a holy priesthood, a holy nation. And again, the church has this priestly function. We're revisiting again. It's not just with Adam or with Israel. It's, it's now with the church. God's people representing him, displaying the light of God to the world. Let's look at the rest of 1 Peter 2.9. For you are chosen people, you are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. And what does he say here? As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness and into his wonderful light. This entire series is about who we are as a church. What is the vision and mission of Ariwa Baptist? So who are we? The first couple of weeks, we answered this question. We are a gospel-shaped community. But the ecclesia is more than that. It doesn't stop there. Remember the priestly function. We are God's representatives. And what does Peter say? You have been saved so that you can go now and demonstrate the goodness of God in the world. So Rewa Baptist Church is a gospel-shaped community that demonstrates the goodness of God in the world. Everybody say, a gospel-shaped community that demonstrates the goodness of God in the world. A plus, A plus, A plus. There are powerful parts in the new covenant as we reflect on the life of Jesus that we are now in Christ. So we have a deeper communion with the Father through the work of, the, uh, work of Christ by means of the Holy Spirit. And we are new creation, Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's masterpiece. We are God's masterpiece. And he created us anew in Christ Jesus. And we think of the image of God again, God's representative. That representative likeness remains. But remember, because of Adam's failure, because of his sin, all of that has infiltrated all of our lives as human beings. But part of the new covenant is that we're found in Jesus Christ. And what was Jesus Christ? According to Colossians 1.15, he was and is the perfect image of God. And what do we see? That we have been recreated in Christ Jesus, the one who has this perfect image. And our uniting with Christ, with Christ re recreates this image so that we can now operate fully in the function that God has called us to function in to be his representatives, to be his imagers in the world. Doesn't mean that we're perfect. Doesn't mean that we're not going to have battles. But as we grow in Christ and we allow him to move in our life, we live according to our purpose and design and the function which he created us for. And we live as a royal priesthood. Look at the second part of Ephesians 2.10. We are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Do. 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 There's, there's action. There's expression. But our outward expression as God's people is being based on the fact that we have been created anew in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, there's a duality when we start to consider the priesthood, right? That, that the priests in the Old Testament, they would, they would come and they would, here's the people, he would, the priest would represent the people before a holy God. And they would offer sacrifices. And that was part of the priestly function, representing the people to God. But we know that Christ 
has brought us into a new covenant through the shedding of his own blood. And there's no need to enter into an earthly temple to offer animal sacrifices anymore. But there's the other side of the priesthood as well. That we go before God and we intercede on behalf of the world. We pray for the world. We pray for the leaders of our nation. We pray for those in our workplace. We pray for those who are overseas who have never heard the name of Jesus Christ. We pray in in petition on behalf of people before a holy and righteous God. And what happens? As we do that, we are changed. And the second side of the priesthood is that we now leave the presence of God and we reflect his glory and we demonstrate his goodness now to the people. So yes, the priesthood function, we go and petition God, but as he changes our life, we now turn around and we represent God to the world around us. We do the things that he planned for us long ago, Ephesians 2 talks about. We often talk about the importance of spending time with the Lord, and rightly so, we should. But when we spend time with God, we are changed through our time with Him. We're changed. And indeed, there's personal benefit, but it doesn't stop there. See, as I go before Him, I'm filled with the presence of God. I'm refreshed. I'm made new. I'm I'm renewed in strength and might. My heart is conformed to His. I take on the mind of Christ. And with that... I now go and I demonstrate the goodness of God in the world. You know, we could break up into groups right now and start to say, hey, how could we as a church begin demonstrating the goodness of God? And we could take out some pen and paper and we can, we can begin to make some lists. How many of you are a list person? I'm a list person. The hand, the write up. I love checking things off. But this is what I believe. God isn't concerned with our lists of the great things that we can do for him. You know what he's concerned about? Us spending time in his presence, us sitting before him, waiting upon him. As he ministers to us as his people, as he conforms us into the image of his dearly beloved son, as he works in our heart, as he gives us a burden for the thing which he has called us for. We can sit and come up with a list all day long, but if what is inside of us, within our heart, does not change, then what's the point? God has indeed called us. And there are times where we see things happening where needs come up and we need to act on that immediately. If I'm in the supermarket and somebody falls on the ground, I'm not going to sit and go, God, I should really pray about this. What am I going to do? I'm going to offer help. In those moments, those are given. Those those are the way that that we show Christian character and what God has done in our life. But the majority of the time when we sit here and say, I want to do this thing, that thing, and the other thing, That needs to be led of God. Because anything that we do within the flesh will not have everlasting outcomes. And that's what we need. We need God to move upon his people desperately, change our hearts, and the outflow of what happens in our heart is the outward expression of God's work within us. And we demonstrate that work, and we demonstrate the goodness of God within the world. I opened the message, have you ever had that conversation that was casual, where you hit on something that was close to a person's heart. Their demeanor changes, their eyes light up. That type of passion, it cannot be fabricated. There is something that just strikes our heart that causes us to act that way. 
before we get into our list making, before we talk about the details, there's something that first must strike our heart. And it is only then, only then, that we truly act in the capacity that God has created us for, to demonstrate his goodness in the world. You, my friends, were created in the image of God. And when you spend time with him, you are molded to the image of Christ. You discover your true nature. You discover your purpose. And your life begins to be filled with purpose and passion. And when that happens, your heart is conformed. God does a deep work within us, and the overflow of that is our ministry to one another and to the world. For you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. I'll ask the band to come forward. Father, we come before you today. And we recognize that you are the one true God. That you are the God who is powerful enough to shape human hearts. God, it is your desire that in your presence you would change us. You would form us. You would remove the heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh. A heart that desires your ways. God, that is the new covenant that you have blessed us with. So, Father, I pray that on this very morning you would begin to work in our hearts. I pray that you would give us burdens, give us insight into what stirs your heart and allow those same things to stir our hearts as well. And, God, I pray that from this place of deep union with you through the power of Jesus Christ, that that powerful union would cause us to demonstrate outwardly the mighty mighty works that you have performed and the mighty, mighty works you are continuing to do and that your goodness would flood from our hearts and that your goodness will flood from this place. Father, I pray that we would be bold enough to sit before you, to put everything aside and to say it is only you and your work that matters. And from that place, you would work in us. Father, continue to do your work in us and among us. In the name of your son we pray. Amen. May the Lord bless you and may he keep you. May his face shine upon you and may he be continuously gracious to you. And may we be filled with the presence and the spirit of God so much so that the overflow is the demonstration of his goodness in the world in which we live. Thanks for checking out our sermons podcast today. For more information on Ottawa Baptist Church, please visit our website at www.ottawabaptist.com.